0: Okay, good morning. Take stock and look up. It's, it's great to have been doing that over this month. Getting that reminder that let's, yes, let's see the circumstances that are around us. Let's acknowledge what we're going through, what's happening. But remember, God is at work and God is in control, even in our current circumstances right now. great, of course, last week, Uh, to have been hearing from Steve, God's call for us to be fishers of men. As well as what Dan was bringing to us about learning to lament, learning to to cry out to God uh, in these times. As well as what Ginny and Ali were sharing last week as well, uh, that it's an in-between time. The camp has been broken up. We've kind of moved out of something and we're moving into something new and yet we've not yet come into the new. It's this kind of in-between time. A time to prepare ourselves, a time to prepare our hearts. And as Ali was reminding us, a time to recognise again, remembering Sam's word from a couple of weeks previous. God is doing a new thing. He is at work. He is waking up and reviving his church. So today, thinking about revival, what is it? What do we mean? When we think about that term, we can think about lots of people being saved. But primarily, yes, that is often and maybe always a result uh, when revival happens. But it's God drawing his people back to a place of enjoying him, loving him, following him, submitting to him obeying him, seeking him first. God stirring up his church. God stirring us afresh, filling us afresh with his spirit. God setting his people on fire with the desire to be like him, to follow him and to seek what is on his heart. God's been doing that. God's been giving us a wake up call. We've been stirred to remember the promises of God. He is at work right here and right now. So as I pondered thinking about revival, I was drawn to these words in Matthew 6 from the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe God would have us focus here As we take stock, as we look up, as we as we long to see salvation, as we long to see God wake us up and revive us as a people, as individuals and as a church and as the church around the world. He would have us focus here. So I'm going to read Matthew 6 verses 5 to 14 just to to take that whole prayer uh, and Jesus' teaching on prayer in context there. But we are going to focus in on those words that I've just quoted and see how god will encourage us and challenge us today okay so matthew 6 and verse 5 and when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others truly i tell you they have received their reward in full but when you pray go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen Then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So encourage us, let's hear these words of Jesus today and take hold of this cry. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Do we long for this? Are we desperate for this? That it should be that God, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. On earth, here in Sheffield, around the UK, around the world, as it is in heaven. So I would suggest here we're encouraged by three things. we're encouraged first to elevate, to exalt God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name." See, Jesus draws us right at the start of this prayer, teaching us to pray. He draws our eyes to God the Father, the Holy One, the King of all kings, the Lord on high, the one who created everything, the one who is magnificent, all-powerful, all-knowing, and yet also our Father, loving, Gracious, the one who cares for us. This is our God. Jesus draws us here right in these first verses. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is who we cry to. This is who we pray to. This is God. We see him, his glory, his heart for his people and for the lost. The one who created all things. The one who will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The one who is at work, advancing his kingdom, building his church for his glory, reviving his people and rescuing the lost. As we look up, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. As we look up, we see his heart throughout scripture. God's heart to hear his people's cry. God's heart for the world and for the lost. We look back in Exodus and Exodus chapter 3, we see the Israelites uh, in Egypt and we hear obviously that a new pharaoh has come to the throne. Who doesn't remember Joseph? And the, the Israelites are in a horrible place. And they cry out to God. And what what does God say to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3 and verse 7? The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. God hears. His people's cry. Throughout the book of Judges we could see many similar examples. God responding to the cries of his people. So many times his people getting it wrong and turning away and ending up in all sorts of bother but then crying out and God hears their cries and responds. We could look at one of the most quoted, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, that what did he do? He gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not die, but have eternal life. This is God's heart. Of course, Jesus tells the story in Luke 15 of the lost sheep. tells many stories, but... But they're of the lost sheep and the, the, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they're grumbling about the fact that Jesus is spending time with, with sinners. Well, doesn't he realise who these people are? And Jesus catches them out with this story. Look, if any of you had some sheep, they say had a hundred sheep and one of them wandered off, one of them got lost, one of them got into trouble. wouldn't you leave the 99 and go and find this sheep? And when you found it, you'd come back rejoicing. You'd be delighted. You call all your friends. Look, this lost sheep that I'd lost, I found. This one who'd got lost, I found him, and he's back. Jesus tells them, "Look, don't you realise? Be so much more rejoicing in heaven over one lost sinner who repents than over ninety-nine others who don't need to repent." God's heart for His people. God's heart for the lost that they would come to Him that they would come back to him. This is God, we're called, even in these first words of the Lord's Prayer, to see him, to look up our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we exalt, we elevate God. Secondly, we're called to humble ourselves. Your kingdom come, your will be done. His, not ours. You see, even as we, we cry out, as a call to ourselves to humble ourselves to God's will. He comes first. He knows best. He is in control. You see, even in those preceding verses, as Jesus has kind of introduced this, in coming to pray, it's not for show or for your own glory. Don't pray like the hypocrites. They're, on the, they're in the synagogue or they're on the street corners so that everyone can see them and everyone can give them. I, they get the glory. No, don't do that. Come humbly. Secretly even to your father A call to humble ourselves and see the most important thing to, to, to remember the most important thing is knowing him The most important thing is his glory. The most important thing is that his will be done Remember a couple of weeks ago quoting that verse As Jesus teaches about not being anxious about anything, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. This is the first thing. God's glory, God's kingdom, God's will be done. I've been struck, kind of convicted, kind of felt the nudging of God. Once again, let this be my one desire. Your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done. A nudge, what am I living for? What are we living for? As Ginny last week encouraged us, There's a time of preparation. We're in this in-between times. On the big scale, yes, between Jesus coming and Jesus coming again. But as a church, we kind of, the camp's been broken up. We've kind of moved, moving into new things. And yet we're not seeing all that God's got for us yet. It's a time to consecrate our hearts, time to circumcise our hearts, time to recommit, to resubmit ourselves to God. Again, we see this theme throughout scripture, God's people humbling themselves before him and God's call to walk humbly with him. We see that uh, as Solomon builds the temple, he's built the temple and he, he prays to God, God if there's a time your people turn away and you cause the, the heavens to be shut up and the, the, the crops to fail. Things have gone wrong and they've fallen into sin. Would you, would you hear them and rescue them? And God replies, yeah. Okay, if this comes about, and this is 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. If in that point, if my people will pray and humble themselves, I will hear. I will respond. I'll forgive them and I will heal their land. In Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, Micah has given these words to bring, He's shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. We've seen it in James, as we've been going through that together. In James chapter 4, It's that wonderful sentence in James 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So call, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done, not mine. Any idea I've had that my ideas are the way forward, that my will should be done, that I should get the glory. No, let it go. Humble ourselves before God. And it brings us to our knees in repentance. Your will, Lord, not mine. We see the Lord's prayer leads us there. As we go on, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So blessed by Liam leading us in Psalm 51 the other week, reading together those wonderful words that David brings, just crying out. He knows he's messed it up. He knows he's got it totally wrong. Lord, create in me, create in us, clean hearts, renew right spirits in us, renew a right spirit in me. And again, as Dan spoke to us the other week, encouraging us to try a change of tack in our prayer. Maybe it's become hard. It's become hard to push through. To try a change of tack, to come, to learn how to lament. I just felt God nudging me again and uh, just feeling struck. And that sense actually it's possible for prayer to dry up, not because of, maybe because of disappointment and because of horrible circumstances, but just because you've got comfortable. And I can feel that. That there's a lack of desperation, that actually things aren't right. We can be too happy with the way the world is. It's great to be together, hearing People crying out with cries of lament on uh, last Sunday evening at the prayer meeting. But it's again, it's a, it's a wake-up call to, for our eyes to be open to see the inequality, to see the pain, to see the problems and the needs. And more so, to see people's need of God. That people are walking in darkness. But I was just nudged. How desperate am I to see these things change, to see people saved? Conscious of a lack of hunger for the things of God and the things of the kingdom. Oh Lord, stir up this passion in my heart. As Steve encouraged us last week, we stir to go be fishers of men. It's this desire in us to know him more and to hunger for the things of God, to see his kingdom come and his church built. To recognise and know, and, and therefore act out of the fact, look at his great love for us. Paul prays this wonderful prayer for the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 3, these words here in Ephesians 3 verse 14. Paul says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Oh Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, may I have power to know how high and how wide and how deep and how long is your love for us and your love for the world. Lord, I'm sorry where my longing can grow cold. Lord, do this in us more and more that we might be more desperate for the things of God. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours, longing more and more that your kingdom come, your will be done. We're called to exalt God, called to humble ourselves and to pray for the nation. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the simple fact is this, our nation and the world as a whole. Our city, the people around us need God. You see, there's so many real hurts and needs. The pandemic, the factors caused by Brexit, the divisions caused by Brexit, the economic downturn, inequality, so many needs. Individual, uh, need, individuals who are ill or are in trouble. So many needs, but this ultimately is the real need, the greatest need. Any God. And ultimately, also, he is the greatest and the only real answer. If you're reminded back when Jesus came on earth, the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. But so many. Actually, what they got into their heads, they were seeking, what were they seeking? Someone to come and free them from Rome. Free them from the power of Rome. Come and Kick out the Romans and then everything will be all right. No, no, they had a greater need. We have a greater need. You see, the problem is our sin. The problem is we need God. We need forgiveness. We need relationship with him. You see, we also today can be fooled into thinking the real problem is the pandemic or Brexit or the economic issues or even a particular political party. The wrong party maybe, we, in our opinion, might be in government or the wrong person's leading, or whatever it may be. But before all those things, or or if that changed, then everything would be hunky-dory. Everything would be fine. No. A great need is Jesus. You see, actually, with all the things going on around, with the pandemic, with Brexit, actually, many have been shaken by the circumstances. I've been... Reading uh, this book, The Power of Prayer, rereading this, the uh, story of the New York revival of 1858, and the wonderful sense that in the midst of a, a, of a financial crisis, massive financial crisis, uh, many turn to prayer. And, but right in the introduction to this book, in the first chapter, yeah, I'm just going to read a little bit from it, showing actually we need to recognize the need is not the financial crisis or the pandemic, A need is for God. It says this, as in the time of an earthquake or a wreck at sea men's hearts failing them for fear they will cry to him who rides upon the whirlwind. So it was believed that the financial storm had driven men to pray and it doubtless did. Never was a commercial crisis so inexplicable under the laws of trade it was acknowledged to be a judgment. The justice of God was confessed in arresting men in recklessness extravagance and folly Thousands were thrown out of business and, in their want of something else to do, assembled in meetings for prayer. But these meetings had been already established. The Spirit of God had been manifest in the midst of them. Before the commercial revulsion, the city and the country had been absorbed in the pursuit of pleasure and gain. Men were making haste to be rich and to enjoy their riches. Recklessness of expenditure, extravagance in living, display in furniture, equipage and dress had attained a height unexampled in the previous social history of our country and utterly inconsistent with the simplicity and virtue of our fathers. These signs of prosperity had filled the minds of good men with apprehension and alarm before the panic seized the heart of the world. Christians who had kept free from the spirit of speculation and the mania for making money had trembled for the future of a people so absorbed in the material as to be oblivious of the spiritual and eternal. These pious people had been gathering in meetings for prayer before the convulsion began. You see, in the shaking, many turned to God in prayer. Many cried out in desperation, but actually the recognition was there before. Actually, things aren't right. Our pursuit of individual, our individualism and our materialism, our pursuit of more and more things, the, the sense of we can sort everything out on our own, it's all wrong. The world and our nation needs God, quite apart from any pandemic. The prayer for our nation needs your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done. See, we don't know what will happen. We don't know what and how God is going to move in this time of shaking. Will we see thousands saved? How will it come about? We don't know, but we do know God's heart to revive his people as we humble ourselves, as we cry out to him. And we know God's heart is for the lost and for the sick and for the poor. Wonderful words as Jesus answers John the Baptist's followers who who come to him and then they're getting confused. They're not sure. Are you actually the one who has come? Are you the Messiah who was promised? And Jesus says to them this, so he replied, Luke 7 and verse 22, he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So what Jesus came to bring, his kingdom breaking in, your kingdom come, your will be done. So I'd encourage us today, as we long perhaps for revival, as we long for God to wake us up, long for many to be saved and added, let's recognise and exalt our wonderful God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let us humble ourselves and recognise again, recognise all the more, recognise more and more, recognise perhaps even for the first time for some of us. It's your will, God, your kingdom, you are sovereign, you are in control, I submit to you. And let's be a people seeking God that his will would be done, his kingdom would come here in Sheffield and beyond. Let's keep on learning to pray. Let's pray that God would do mighty things in this city. And let's be a people that are going fishing. A community going out with the nets, catching men and women, boys and girls, for this wonderful kingdom. Amen.